and COVID confusion is very real. So I have written out my entire sermon, and I told Tanya to wave at me if I get on a rabbit trail like I usually do and can't find my way back. I told her to wave at me in the back and point at my notes, and I'll just go back to reading my notes. Um, but really, thank you guys so much. Um, it has been a wild couple of weeks. However, God has taken care of us, um, and you guys have taken care of us, and thank you guys for the prayers, and thank you to Tanya last week covering for me, uh, preaching. That was a spur-of-the-moment thing. She had a lot going on last week with the Christmas play and everything, and then having me say, by the way, I have COVID. I can't be here. Good luck. <laughs> so uh, thank you guys so much for allowing her to do that. But Christmas Day has come and gone, and I hope and pray that it was full of all of God's grace and joy and that you guys had an amazing Christmas day, and I hope it was full of the love of family and friends for you. Um, Christmas time is my favorite time of year. Who here, raise your hand if you would also say that Christmas is your favorite time of year. Yeah, probably most of us. I think but like three people raised their hand. Um, Christmas time is such a wonderful time of year, a time of joy, a time of excitement. Um, and I think a lot of it, a lot of the excitement comes from the expectation that comes with Christmas, right? Uh, me and my family were actually talking about that. We have a, a group chat, and, and we get going in there. And we were talking about how we actually believe that Christmas Eve is more of the holiday than Christmas Day itself, right? Because you have all of the celebrations, you have all the stuff going on, and you have that anticipation, that expectation of Christmas Day, right? And it's super exciting, isn't it? I mean, from the time Thanksgiving's over until Christmas Day, it is nothing but countdowns and, and celebration and time together, and you're just looking forward to it. I mean, no other holiday do we have a countdown, right? So for Christmas, we, we, me and my family, we do the, the Advent calendars. Who here has Advent calendars at their home? All right. Who here does the Advent calendars to have the little gifts in them? Does anyone else do that? All right, a couple of you. So me, what was that? Chocolate. So me, me and my family, every year, we each get our own little advent calendar. This year, Ashley's was the Nightmare Before Christmas socks. So every day um, for 12 days, she got Christmas socks that were the Nightmare Before Christmas. Addison got 12 days of Legos, and I got 12 days of fishing gear. So I got, either got a fishing bait or a, a, I got a, I got a, a fishing mug cozy um, and a couple different other things, fishing lures. But it's the countdown up to it, right? And no other holiday do we have that. We, we don't have, how, how many of you have ever heard anyone say, well, we have 10 more days of shopping until Halloween? We, we don't say that, right? We, we don't have Advent or, or any time of shopping for, for Halloween. There's no Black Friday leading up to, to Mother's Day, right? But Christmas, it's an event that, that we prepare for. It's an event that, that we count down for. And the, the expectation is what really hypes it up and makes the excitement happen, right? I mean, think about it. New Year's is literally just a couple days away, and has anybody on their calendar started counting down for, for New Year's? No, right? Most of us right now are sitting here thinking, all right, preacher, make your, actually, my sister is watching, and she literally just texted me, make it short and sweet. Um, yes, I called you out, Julie. She is listening in right now. She said, make it short and sweet. Most of us are like, preacher, we got leftovers in the fridge. I'm excited to go home and get, make it short and sweet so I can go home and take that day after Christmas nap, right? We're not really counting down to New Year's. When, when does our New Year's countdown actually start? 
10 seconds before New Year's Day, right? It's when that ball starts dropping. No one really cares. Okay, we got, we got 60 seconds. We all go back to playing phase 10, or for us, it's usually uh, exploding kittens is a game that me and my family started playing. And we don't count down, and all of a sudden we hear, all right, it's starting. And we all 10, 9, 1, happy New Year's, and we go about our day, right? There's really no count. There's no expectation. But for Christmas, the expectation is what makes it special, right? It's that excitement of Christmas Day is coming. But that expectation can be tough, right? Expectations can make things a little bit harder, actually, because you have that buildup, you have that expectation, and then it's here, but as quickly as it came, it's now gone, right? So we wake up on Christmas morning, and we, we get our coffee and dads, we get our garbage bags ready to clean up all the wrapping paper and boxes and moms, they sit down with their coffee and we watch the kids and grandkids open gifts and then we go and we play games and if you're like me, you got to spend the next three hours undoing things, putting batteries in and trying to figure out how to build it and the instructions don't make any sense and so you get a little bit frustrated but then finally it's built and you get to play and then the video games and all the fun happens on Christmas but then... We wake up the next day, and it's just the next day, right? I mean, literally, today is the, the next day, and we wake up, and all right, I got to get my Sunday best on. I got to get ready, and Christmas is over. Now what? The expectation was fun, the 24 days of waiting and celebrating, and now it's over. And what do we do now? Well, I want to help you with that this morning. Can I do that? Go with me to Matthew chapter 2. I want to help us figure out what we can do after Christmas. Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 13 through 15. And this is a story after Christmas. And in my Bible, it's actually titled, The Escape to Egypt. And this is a story of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And it says, when they had gone, talking about the Magi, the wise men who came and visited, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod, who was the king at the time, is going to search for the child to kill him. Wow. Right? I mean, we, we just celebrated Christmas. We had the expectation. The angels appeared and the prophecies were being fulfilled. And, and now read, there's going to be a search for the child to kill him. Wow. That's a drastic shift, isn't it? So he got up and he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. I got blessed the reading of his word. The, the birth of Christ, it was filled with drama, and it was filled with excitement. It was filled with, sometimes in the different points, chaos from top to bottom, right? There was, there was something dramatic happening from the time that Mary was told, you are going to have this child, until even after, years after Jesus' birth, there was something happening. I mean, it began with a, a virgin being told that she is pregnant, and then she had to go and tell her, her family and her fiancé. I mean, can you imagine that? 
and, and, and having to tell the fiance, by the way, I'm pregnant and it's not your child, but, but let me explain. I mean, can you imagine the nerves that she must have had? So that was the beginning of the whole story. And then it was followed by the revelation to Joseph that, was, that this was from God and, and his acceptance of this situation. And then their trip to Bethlehem. I mean, the trip itself was pretty dramatic, right? And then finally, the time has come for the baby to be born. And they, they make it to Bethlehem. And all of a sudden, there's nowhere for them to stay. No room for them in the end. Just one dramatic event after another. And so what do they do? Well, they find a stable and they're able to place Jesus in a manger. And we, I think we, we genuinely novelized the manger. It was a feeding trough. It's where animals ate out of. It, it wasn't this fancy thing that we, we make it out to be. It was, a, it was an, where animals ate out of. Can you guys imagine that, you mothers in here, having to put your newborn baby in a feeding trough? And this whole trip was initiated by a king who was constantly on high alert and on paranoia, and, and the purpose was to, to find out who each every child was so that he could protect his own throne. And then on their way home, right, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, they were visited by the Magi from the east. I mean, can you imagine how strange of of a visit that must have been, right? They, they, they had this strange encounter, and all of a sudden, finally, Jesus is here, and he's born in a barn, and he's laid in a feeding trough, and then all of a sudden, these, these royalty, these, these, these men, these kings show up. I mean, can, can you imagine how strange that must have been to them? But, I mean, really, could it have been that strange? I mean, visited by then, seeing how the, they were just visited by angels? I mean, the, the whole story is nothing but just a miracle, and it's, and it's just one thing after another that's just so amazing. But then there's also times where it's scary. But, but before the, the scary part, they get the gifts, right? They get gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it sets off a series of events that would actually put this young family on the run. It was, it was time for them to go. Because Herod was now letting his fear of, of losing power take over. And so what was he doing? He was killing every child under the age of two. King Herod was terrified. He didn't want to lose his throne. And so he said, here's what I want to do. Any child under the age of two, kill them. Get rid of them. And in verse 13, we're told that an angel of the Lord once again appeared to Joseph. And the angel of the Lord says, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go. Protect this child. Protect his mother and get to Egypt. There you'll be safe. I mean, there's this huge buildup to the birth of Jesus, right? This massive buildup, this, this expectation of the arrival of the Messiah, this expectation that the king was finally coming, and then he was here, and things began to settle down. And so Mary and Joseph, after things settled down, they get all the visitors, and they leave, they finally get to ask the question, all right, the baby's born, what now? Well, they get their answer, what now? Now you got to go. You see, for us, we have such a buildup to Christmas Day, don't we? We have this huge buildup, buying gifts, wrapping gifts, all of these amazing things, dinners and plays, and time with family and friends. 
And not even 24 hours later, a whole day, we sit back and think, what now? What do we do now, church? What's our obligations now? So what I want to do is I want to be able to help you be able to figure out what now, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this story, and we're going to look at this, the, the, the flight to Egypt and, and how we can answer this question of what now. So if you're taking notes, unfortunately, I don't have the notes in the bulletin this week because I haven't been in the office. Uh, but if you want to, you can write on the notes or, or take it on your phone. Uh, but if you're taking notes, here's, here's where you're going to start taking notes, all right? The first is this. If you want to know what now, what do I do now as I head into the new year? Because that's what we're expecting now to do. Here's what I need you to do, okay? Listen for God. Lean to your neighbor and say that. I want to make sure you guys are awake. Listen for God. You see, you have to believe that by this point, if Joseph and Mary were not in the habit of listening for the voice of God, that's something must have been wrong, right? If Mary and Joseph weren't listening to God's voice or listening for God's voice, something must have, have drastically shifted and been wrong. However, we see it would appear that they were listening to the voice of God. They were listening for his voice in their lives. It, it became second nature for them. So what do we do now? Well, here's what we got to do. We got to listen for God. And if you notice how I wrote that, listen for God. You see, I didn't write, listen to God. Now, I'm not saying don't listen to God. Don't, don't leave here in the, in, and say, well, that preacher with, with COVID brain is now telling us not to listen to God. No, I, you need to listen to God, but you can't listen to God until you first listen for God. You can't listen to him until you realize it is he that is speaking to you. So you first need to listen for God. That's the first problem. Listen to me. Is the actual hearing. You see, it's, it's very easy for us to get caught up and, and distracted and, and, and zoned out, right? The men in the room. It's really easy for us to get zoned out, is it not? Come on. Wives, you can nudge your husband and say, the preacher ain't wrong. It's very easy, right? So think about this. You're, you're, you're watching the big game or your favorite TV shows on or you're, or you're watching that movie and you are focused and your wife's talking to you and you don't hear. How many of you, come on, men, raise your hand in here. How many of you are guilty? Thank you, Mark and Glenn. A couple of you raising your hand. Yeah. The rest of y'all just ain't going to tell the truth because your wife's sitting next to you. But the truth is we, we easily get zoned out, right? <clears throat> For me, it's when I'm driving. Um, Ashley gets so irritated while I'm driving because when my GPS says you have three hours to make it, I say, no, I don't. I got two hours and 45 minutes. Watch me. All right. It is the, the GPS time arrival is not the time of arrival. It is a competition to me. I am going to beat that. And my mom will call me. Where are you guys at? Don't worry about it, mama. I'm focused right now. And so I'll be behind that wheel. I'll turn the music on and I will be laser focused on the road because I'm going to beat that time. And Ashley, if she was here, she'd be saying, yes, he does. She will be talking to me. She will be asking me questions. She will be just going to town. 30 minutes later, I'll look over. I'll be like, were you just talking? What? You didn't hear what I had to say? Not a clue. I, don't, I didn't even know you were still in the car. I was so focused because we get distracted, right? We get, we get so focused on what we're doing that we miss everything else around us, right? We get so intent on, 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 on right here and right now and what I want to be doing that we miss what is being said right next to me. And the reality is, as Christians, we do the same thing. 
in our spiritual lives, what happens is, is we get so distracted with everything else, right? Because now we have a checklist of things to do, don't we? We, we, have, we have to get ready for the barbecue. We have to make sure we get all the Christmas decorations. Now, now that's just the church. So then what do we have to do this week? Well, we got to get our Christmas decorations at home put up. we got to get ready to go back to work on Monday. Or maybe you have this week off, but the following Monday. And then some, some of you are getting ready to go back to school. And we get all these checklists in our head, and we get so distracted and so focused on what is happening right here, right now in my life, that God might be trying to talk to you, and we don't even hear him. You don't think Mary and Joseph could have got, easily gotten in that trap? I mean, think about it. They have angels appearing to them. They have the magi. These, these men are royalty coming and bringing them all of these amazing gifts. They could have gotten so caught up in the birth and the life of Jesus and just focused on him and, and everything else going on that they could have missed the next steps. And guess what would have happened if they would have missed God talking to them? Herod would have got the, the Christ child, guys. If Joseph was distracted by everything else, Jesus could have been killed. So what did Joseph have to do? He had to pay attention. He had to listen for God. So ladies and gentlemen, I, I get it's easy to get distracted in the Christmas cleanup. I, I get it's easy to get distracted with the new year and, and what it's going to bring, right? I, I saw one person say, 2022 is actually pronounced 2022. Right? So people are kind of afraid of what's going to happen in T-O-O, right? People are afraid of what's going to happen in 2022 because they say it's going to be a, a remake. So people are preparing for 2022, getting ready for, for all the things that may happen in the upcoming year. And, and, and it's so easy to get caught up in that that we miss listening for God. And then when he does speak, we don't listen to him because we're distracted by everything else. And so if you're asking, well, what now? Okay, Christmas is over. As I prepare for the new year, what now? Well, you want to know what now? Listen for God. See what he has to say about right now. The second thing is this. So if we're talking about the new year and what now, well, well the first is listen for God. And the second thing is this. Expect obstacles. Lean to your neighbor and say, it ain't going to be perfect. All right, I, I, hate to, I hate to bust your bubble, um, but it's not going to be perfect. Uh, you look at the story of Mary and Joseph here. Joseph had, had found himself fleeing with his wife and newborn child as King Herod decided that his power was more valuable than human life. Herod said, my throne, my position is more valuable than your child. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kill your child. That way I don't lose my throne. You don't think that was an obstacle for Mary and Joseph? It absolutely was. Because now here they are, they're having to flee to Egypt. You see, the obstacles that they had previously faced now paled in comparison to them having to run for their lives. And this is a reminder to you and I, obstacles are going to come, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry. I, I hate to, I know it's the day after Christmas, right? We're supposed to be talking about all the happy-go-lucky and eating our candy cane still. But the reality is it's not perfect, and, and we have to expect obstacles. I hate to be the one to burst that bubble, but if you haven't realized it yet, there are going to be speed bumps in the road. There are going to be times where you have to take a detour. You know, for instance, obstacles come at inopportune times. Um, though the past two weeks have been very tough for me and my family, we laugh because we say we avoided it for two years. 
And the two weeks before Christmas, we get hit. Trust me, obstacles are going to come in inopportune times. They don't happen when it's convenient to you, all right? So what we have to do is we have to prepare for the worst but expect the best. Or you can flip that. Prepare for the best but expect the worst, however you want to do it. Get ready for it. Hope and pray that good times are going to come, but expect obstacles. Things aren't going to be perfect. Anybody, well, Pastor, what kind of obstacles might come? Well, there's all kinds of things. Anything can really happen. But let me give you four things real quick if you're taking notes. The first is people. People are going to be stumbling blocks and obstacles to us, right? Sometimes people mean to be. Sometimes it's an accident. Uh, Romans chapter 14, 13 says, Therefore, let us no longer criticize one another, but instead decide not to put stumbling blocks or pitfall in your brother's way. People can be obstacles to us. What we have to do is just roll with the punches. Learn to love them anyway. And just listen to me. Sometimes they mean to, sometimes they don't. But that's where we can get into the forgiveness. But understand, sometimes people are going to hurt us. Whether, we, whether they mean to or not, whether we like it or not, people are going to hurt us. The second thing is um, the obstacles are just straight up problems, right? Problems will arise in your life. Whether it be COVID before Christmas, whether it be a car breakdown, a house, work problem, school problem, education, they can come in any, any shapes and sizes, all right? Problems come. Be expecting them but be willing to overcome them when they do. Another one for the church uh, primarily is persecution. Right, if you're living a life that God intended you to live, you're going to face persecution in some form or another. It may not be them kicking our doors in and trying to kill us like they did back then or like King Herod was doing here. And that may not be it, but persecution does come. So if you're living, if you're living the Christian life, listen to me. Persecution is going to come. Be expecting it. And the fourth one is this. So you have uh, people, you have problems, you have persecution, and the fourth one is priorities. Your own priorities can be an obstacle in your own life, right? Especially wrong priorities. Our priorities can be obstacles. The question is, what are my priorities in my life? What's my main thing? Is the main thing in my life God and his kingdom and his will being lived out in my life? Or is my main thing me and what I want? Listen to me. We have to expect obstacles, but we also have to be careful of where we are putting our attention. What are your obstacles that are keeping you from being all that God intends you to be? What are your priorities? And so when we ask the question, what now? We should be prepared to listen for God and for him to answer that question. We should listen to him and for him. We should expect obstacles. And the third one as we head into the new year is this. Be flexible. I want everyone to lean to your neighbor and say it. Be flexible. All of us need to learn to be flexible. Do you think that after the ordeal they had in Bethlehem, once Joseph got Mary and Jesus home and settled in, do you guys think that his first thing was like, you know what, we're, we're settled in, the, the Magi just left, we have all these beautiful gifts. God, you remember Bethlehem? Man, that was crazy, wasn't it? Do you think the first thing he thought was is, you know what, we really should do, we should escape to Egypt. That sounds fun. Probably not, right? His first mindset probably was not, you know what I want to do? I want to run for my life. That sounds like a really good idea. Road trip. Road trip. Probably wasn't the first thing that he had in mind, was it? It was probably, you know what, I'm fine. We're, we're newly married. We now have Jesus. Let's get settled in. Let's start this life together, right? Let, let's have time of peace and calmness. However, from the very beginning, Joseph had to learn to be flexible because the punches were coming. Rigidness would never have worked. 
only the ability to bend would keep him from breaking. Uh, one of the lessons that I learned in the military, especially being in the Army Reserves, was hurry up and wait. Those of you who are veterans in here, you know that, right? Hurry up and wait. But on top of that, we also had to learn to be flexible because in our hurry up and waiting, one day they're going to call you and say, now you got to go. And you've been sitting and hurrying and you've been waiting. And now they say, go. And you have to be prepared for anything at any time. Why? Because in our training, they teach us anything at any time can happen anywhere. And we may have to send you there. So you hurry up and wait. But guess what? The time may come where you have to be flexible. Don't, don't, don't have expectations of, of what you think might happen, right? Because Joseph was probably thinking, it's time to settle down and be a family. And now God's saying, you got to go. It's time for you to leave. You got to run for your life. You need to escape. And do you think if he said, no, we're going to settle in? Absolutely not, God. We're going to sit right here. I'm not moving. What would have happened? What was Herod out trying to do? He was about to kill him. If Joseph was rigid, if Joseph was, was really stubborn, it could have meant life or death for them. And so what did he have to do? He had to learn to be flexible. You see, it's one thing to have convictions. We all have convictions. I have convictions, things that I, that I don't want to move on. But it's an entirely different thing to be so rigid that you break at the first sign of stress. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to learn to be flexible. Ask yourself that question. How flexible am I? If God would tell you right now, go. If, if God would do to you what he did to Joseph in this moment, an angel appeared to you and said, you have to leave right now. How many of us would sit back, kick and scream and say, absolutely not? Or how many of us would actually say, all right, God, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to allow my life to be flexible to make sure that it goes along with your plans. Not with what I think should be happening, but with what you think should be happening, God. Imagine if Joseph was so rigid he wasn't willing to move. It would have meant death to them. And so as we enter into this new year, listen, listen for God. Expect obstacles. Things are going to happen. I hate to tell you guys that, but listen, things are going to happen. As we look back over the last two years, I mean, think about it. Obstacles come, don't they? And we need to be flexible. We need to be willing to say, all right, God. This is how I was going to handle it, but I know this is how you want me to handle it, so I want to be flexible to that. And the fourth is this, and this is where we're finally ending this morning, is number four is rely on God's word. So listen for God in your life. Expect obstacles. Be flexible. In the entire time you're doing all of those, rely on God's word. Look at, look at verse 15, if you will. It says, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet." Out of Egypt, I called my son. As we read through Scripture, um, time and time again, we read how the life of Christ fulfilled prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. The Word of God never fails. Again, we, we read how and where he was born, how and where he lived, and how and where he died, and all of that is found in the prophecies in the Word meaning either a, a lot of coincidences took place, right? Or what I like to believe is that everything that happened was a God incident. If you go to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you this morning, you can rely on the word of God. 
The word of God will never fail. It is always faithful. It is correct and it is accurate. It has never and will never lead us astray or lead us down a wrong path. The word of God will never fail us. So if you're asking after Christmas, if you're asking what now, well, there it is. Rely on God's word. Be willing to be flexible. Expect that not everything's perfect. And listen for and to God. And I know that Christmas season has come and gone, and, and we're heading into the new year. And for many people, we're asking that question, what now? Well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Be like Mary and Joseph. Listen to God. Follow him and enter into the new year with hope and understanding that God is in control. Amen? So as you enter into the new year, that's what I really hope and pray that all of us can do. And at this time, what we're going to do now is we are going to enter into a time of worship where, as a church family, we are going to take communion together. Um, on Christmas Eve, we were supposed to have communion a, as family, but as you guys know, uh, my family got sick, so we were unable to do that. And so we're going to take it as a family, as, as a church family. And before we do that, um, what I want to do is I want to read uh, to you guys what we believe communion is, and then I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. And then our um, ushers, Pastor Tanya and Pastor Amber, are going to come up, and they're going to pass it out, and you guys are going to come forward as the music plays. And I, I'm not going to serve it, so just take the elements as you receive them. And as the music plays, you guys can sit and, and listen or worship or pray or do whatever you guys need to do. And then we're going to close in song. But communion to us is that we recognize the Lord's Supper as a sacrament that reminds us of our Lord's death, of our hope in his victorious return, and as a sign of the love that Christians have for each other. It is a means through which God communicates grace to our hearts. And so communion is a time where we remember, where we fellowship, and where we hope for his victorious return. And how do we take it? Well, Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you want to turn there with me, you can. I'm going to read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 23, Paul writes this. He says, for I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. May God bless the reading of his word. Pastors, if you will, come. Let me pray over the elements, and then when the music comes, you guys can come and share in the elements with us. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, Christmas season is such a marvelous and special time. It's a time where we celebrate your birth and we give gifts and we share in meals. But Lord, help us never to forget the real meaning of why you came. And that was to come as the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb for our sins. Lord, your body was broken and your blood was shed so that we could have freedom so that we can have an eternity spent with you. And Lord, as we partake in these elements together, help us to remember that today. 
And I know, Lord, that we were supposed to do this as a families on, on Christmas Eve, but Lord, today we are fellowshipping as a larger family, as your family, a body of believers coming together to worship you. And Father, as we look at the new year, help us to look at the future with hope, knowing that, sure, we can expect obstacles and things may not be perfect, but we have the hope that you are going to return and that we are going to have an eternity with you. And so as we take these elements today, help us, Lord, to, re to remember all of these things. And it's in your glorious and holy name that we pray this. And everybody said it. Amen. Amen. Please come and share in communion with us.
praise you enough. How worthy you are. We thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us. And Lord, as we sing this last song, I ask that you hear our worship and you accept our praises this morning. And it's your glorious name that we pray.
go to prayer one more time today. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, you are so good. And you are so good to us. Lord, as we get ready to enter into the new year, I pray, Lord, that you go before us. Prepare the way and help us, Lord, as we enter into this new year. Help us to go in listening to you, expecting that things may not be perfect. But, Lord, help us to be flexible to your plans and help us to rely on you and your word. And it's your glorious name that we pray this. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. Normally I'd be in the back, but I'd hate to give you guys whatever I have. So God bless you guys, and I will see you at the Christmas bar or at the New Year's barbecue.